All right. So if you were forced to listen to the worst Bowie or the worst Dylan, which would you prefer? What would you go for? I would prefer listening to the Bowie. I could see myself getting through that one more than trying to listen to the Dylan. What would you? What, what's more appealing about these two bad elms about uh, the Bowie? It just the Bowie was just more listenable. If that makes it, that's a word. <laughs> it's a listen word for sure. So the Dylan just seemed too obnoxious Dylan for me personally. Now, like overall though, which one of these artists would you prefer? Or are you really not a fan of either one? Um, I'm a semi-fan of both over their long careers. Probably I have listened to more Dylan music than Bowie in my okay. lifetime. Given my knowledge of your taste, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes sense that you would like Dylan more. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mom. It's Bowie versus Dylan. Is this you when I'm glowy? Am I killing Hope it's not a blowy or a villain. Oh, it's time, time for Bowie versus Dylan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And uh, I gotta say, this is a very special episode, Chaz. As much as you like Bowie, and I love Dylan, there are a handful of years, numbers of them, not scores, but but numbers, where things don't go so well for our guys. Uh These almost exclusively occur in the 1980s, although... (laughs) Not entirely exclusively, but there is a... Very high concentration of them in the Indian Yeah, days. in terms of percentages, it's something like 99.9%, I would say, <laughs> of all yeah. the bad years. And uh, for our 25th anniversary here, uh, some might call that the silver anniversary. We're not, we, uh-huh. we call it like um, uh, tarnished tin around here. Oh, yeah. Or uh, uh, easily dented fool's gold. Stolen silver. Stolen silver. I can't, can't believe that <laughs> wasn't a, a, a uh, stolen silver. Charlie. <laughs> for guys in their 30s who don't work out enough. <laughs> for, for guys in their 30s with, who are prematurely Greg. Yes. And which who, is both of us, gentle listeners. And, uh, and who do uh, podcasts about, about musicians in their bedrooms. <laughs> yep, that's us. Anywho. Anyway. We're talking about the year 1987, because this is the year that Chaz has identified as David Bowie's worst ever year in terms of points, and uh, perhaps right. perhaps reputation, you, I'm not sure. You coined we'll the out. term sometime back that we don't use very often, but we break out every once in a while to Tarnished the confusion silver? Of, our, of our listeners. And that term is the Nader O-Rater. Yes, the Nader O-Rater, baby. The idea of the Nader O-Rater was some <laughs> kind of rating tool, illy defined, like most of our stuff. Always. That uh, would rate just based on how bad the year is. So it would have to be a bad year to even qualify to be in the Nader Rater. This is 10 on the Nader Rater, assuming 10 is the highest score for it. I don't know. We never, no, again, it was, it was no, poorly defined. It was poorly defined. <laughs> poorly if non-defined. But that's it. You know what? I got to stop Nader you right there. Nader Rater Nader. It's the Nader of all Naders. I got to stop you right there because we did define this. You keep forgetting. It's zero. Zero is the is the score that you get for the worst year. Okay, well, this is the zero here. All right, great. We figured it out. Bowie himself even even more or less admitted it later on. 
Day. So I'm going to kick things off here with a little celebration. Uh, next episode, we won't tell you what year it is for, for Dylan, but next year we will be following it up with Dylan's Nader Arator. Mm-hmm. Nader, Nader of Naders. Zero score on the Nader Arator. It might just be 1987 again. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Hard to say. Hard, Hard to, to say. say. We're going to find out. All right, let's battle to the bottom, and Bowie's going to win. Let's do it. it. I love it. So this is Bowie's worst year of his career, and the really like the key center of this bad year. There's a lot of stuff happened, but the center of it is a little album by the name of Never Let Me Down. Yep, heard of it. It's kind of an ironic title. You know, it's really <laughs> easy to pun and, and joke on that title when you're like naming an album Never Let Me Down. It's kind of like there's all those albums where that are ominously titled songs like like Spice Girls Forever yeah. or uh, what was that? Michael Jackson, The Eternal. Uh, stuff like that. Was it Eternal, Immortal? I don't remember. No, you know what it was? It, various, various bands. What was it? It was the one that I think you're thinking of, or the one that I'm thinking of anyway. He did a half greatest hits compilation, half new material compilation called His Story. And the H I S was. No, capitalized. I think he's got one called The Immortal or Immortal or something like that. Yeah, you might be. I don't know. I think it's Sonic Youth's last album was called The Eternal. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Stuff like this just kind of happens, and they like, and then it becomes their last album. You go, oop, well shucks, (laughs) oops, something like that. Never let me down. Oh, you let me down. Invincible. So here's the thing. I it it is a popular. This is this is probably Bowie's most often chosen worst album. Not always. Certainly not always. Uh, The other big one that comes up a lot is his previous album to this, 1984's Tonight. Uh. Now, Tonight is the follow-up, you know, one year after Let's Dance. This all is the the saga story of the 80s. He came out with Let's Dance, which is quite, you know, a good solid, it's a good album. Uh, And he just kind of chased that for the next several years. Tonight came out, and Tonight will win, will win whenever we get to 1984. It will win a BVD award for his most phoned-in album, mm. where he did almost nothing. Although Let's Dance is close, he did. He kind of phoned in Let's Dance. He phoned in. It just Let's turned Dance. out good because the people he had working for him did a good job. Tonight, not so much. Okay. Then he just kind of like wandered around, you know, did Labyrinth and did some movies and did soundtracks and stuff. And he finally came back in 1987. He's already like trying to get back. Like in 1987, this is this is a conscious comeback attempt. It's maybe his first conscious comeback attempts. Hmm. Uh, and so the thing is, though, is that tonight, while it's very phoned in, it's to me, it's just forgettable. It's just like it's easy to not pay attention or know what's going on at all. Yeah. Whereas Never Let Me Down to me is just in your face, <laughs> righteous, just so obnoxious and so, like, <laughs> aggressively bad. Yeah. It's there is a difference there, you by the can't way. Can't forget it. That's that's to me. That's that's my view, and that's There's why I still rank it as, as uh, his worst album. Though I can certainly see why people put tonight in that last spot. Okay. Instead. All right. I can see it. Now the thing is, though, is Bowie worked much harder on this album than he had a, either of the previous ones. Yeah. On both Let's Dance and Tonight, he is only did vocals. He did not perform any instruments. Really. And they are maybe alone in his discography for the. Albums. I don't know of any other albums where he didn't play any instruments at all, except for those two. Just saying. Uh, in both of them, he did not write a lot of songs. He he wrote more songs for Never Let Me Down than he did for the last two combined. Wow. There's a lot of wow. covers and a lot of songs, old songs he came back and redid on both of those. Uh, so yeah, I Never Let Me Down, he wrote ten new songs, only did one cover, which is you know, that's pretty normal. 
Uh, and it's a harder rocking album, but you know that's I don't know rocking is kind of a list here, but it's a little harder reverb. It's less less just straight up pop dance, the little sure. more edge to it. Sure, but it's uh, it's it's bad. <laughs> it's just bad. No, with that said. <laughs> Uh, we did a little a little special something for our silver anniversary. We sure uh, did. I'm gonna plug that in right here, Jake. We sure did. Is over Christmas time, us being brothers, in case you've forgotten. Yeah. We uh, we were together with all of our families, including the the third brother named Mike, who doesn't know what a podcast is. Meatball. He's not featured on the show. Meatball, also known as. <laughs> uh, and we Better talked known to as. our mother and our brother and our sister in laws and some of the older kids in the family. Yeah, who weren't and got any their help impressions at on all. some of these albums. And uh, actually, strangely, they liked Never Let Me Down more than I really expected they would. They sure did. But let's plug in a few of their reactions right here. <laughs> here they go. This is not meta at all. We're doing it right now. What do you think about David Bowie's Never Let Me Down? Um, well, we've only listened to about a minute of it so far, and it's really not very good. It's, I'm not a big fan of 80s music anyway, but this is kind of taking it to a new level. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's the man on the street. That's Mike. Okay, my first impressions is that this was recorded much earlier than 87. Oh. I feel like this would have been, from my time frame, I'm the mom, so I'm old, <laughs> that this Older. would have been, this would have been more in the 70s kind of feel to it. And that spoken word thing was very popular, MacArthur Park-ish, for instance. Very proggy, very prog-rocky. Yes. So, ahead of his time once again. Very danceable. <laughs> or behind his time. Or behind the times. But very a very familiar sound. So, on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being absolute horrible and 10 being the best music you've ever heard what would you rate that well right with just the couple of songs that i've heard i could go even maybe with a six or a seven because it gives me that kind of nostalgic feel because you lived through that radio and very danceable it would have been things that we would have danced to going out when we were in our early 20s one of the songs i thought earlier sounded a little bit like the rhythmics could have done it better right yes i guess time will crawl Charlie, no one knows. I'm saying that. That's what I'm saying right now. I think it was Time Will Crawl is the one that you were doing. No one knows the names of the songs but you. I, that's why I said it right now for everyone. And the David Bowie estate. Okay, Jake. <laughs> I think you're missing the point of why I just said the name of the song. <laughs> I think this episode is crawling right now. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. Miserable listening to it. Wait, say, that, say that again. <laughs> I said it was not something I'd pick for myself, but I don't feel miserable listening to it. Well, that's, that's high no. praise. <laughs> <laughs> getting better reactions than I expected. Oh, yeah, way better. I mean, I don't know. I don't is really it, listen to that much music. Is it going to win the Grammy Award? No. <laughs> Does it play a little better at Christmas time at this house right now than you thought? No. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur, what do you think about that music? Awesome, 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 awesome. Hey, you, what's awesome about it? What do you like about it? Everything. Everything? Yes. Okay. Awesome, 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 awesome. Fair enough. See you later. Mabel, what do you think about that music? Uh, okay. Okay, what's okay about it? I don't really know. I Did just you like, like it. The synthesizer? 
I don't even know what that thing is. Do you like dancing to it? No, I don't like dancing. You don't like dancing? Not, not, not in front of people. Oh, yeah. No, me neither. Uh-uh. I hear you. Uh, who's better, Bob Dylan or David Bowie? Bob Dylan? Yeah! What do you think, James? Um, it, it was okay. It was okay. Kay. I mean, like, it was a good beat and stuff, but the words were weird. The words were weird. Did you appreciate Mickey Rook rapping? Nope. <laughs> Mickey Rook is a total touchstone for young people. Um, okay. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> Never heard of Mickey Rook. What about David Bowie? Ever heard of him? Yep, and he's a weirdo. <laughs> Great point. Because he wrote the gnome song. Oh, tell us about the gnome song. No, please don't make me do one of Do one of the puns from the gnome song. No, I'm not doing gnome. I'm not doing one of the gnomes. Oh, you did it! You! new one instead. No, it's so weird. Like, every time there's like, it's like, where do you come from? Gnome man's land. It's like, oh my. And the lyrics are really weird. And the gnome's voice is like, yep. And he laughs. He's like, Scary. Okay. Well, thank you for your man yeah, on the so, street um, Yeah. About yep. this problem, but also the gnome song. Yep. And um. Yeah. Doom's better than Bowie. I'm sorry. Bowie's too weird. All right. Here's Claudia on all the Bowie music that Charlie has made her endure over the past there's been nine an, months. There's been an awful lot of it. I've had promises that the '80s will not be making a return anytime soon, oh, which is nice. What a liar your husband is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I I could stand with just skipping that decade, um, pretty much forever. What about the the music before and after the 80s? Oh, I am okay with that. Okay. It's been growing on me steadily for, you know, the past 11 years. So you have Stockholm Syndrome with Bowie music. (laughs) You got it. You are starting to identify with your captor. His name is David Bowie. If it were Dylan, you'd probably like him, too. Oh, that's a possibility, perhaps. Oh, there we go. All right, well, don't tell Charlie. (laughs) Bye. So there you go. They, uh, like I said, they liked it more than I did, but they didn't didn't listen to it for very long. That's why, again, I I think that is a part of this. This gets worse the more you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those things where maybe, you know, you kind of tap your toe the first time you hear, like, ten seconds of it. But then, as it's going on, you're like, oh, this is horrible. I can't do much more. Or you go, like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, when you're ready yeah. for, you know, Dylan's got him. This is Bowie's worst album. Now, with that said, well, when we get to Dylan's worst album, the next one, I think it's worse than Bowie's worst album. But we'll, yeah, well, this, we'll talk about that more next episode. We will, but this is a good. This, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> this is a good time to introduce. You know, the thing where when when Bowie fails at something, he at least he's still going for it. He's like doing something spectacular. Yeah. But yeah. What, when he Dylan's failing, big. he is, I mean, it really is a nader. He's just down there in the toilet. He has no, like, <laughs> energy or passion. He's just, he's, uh-huh. it's the definition of phoning it in. It's, it's boring more, uh-huh. than, more than bad, so. <sighs> so talking about yeah. going big, swinging for the uh, That's right, swing bleachers for and failing... The Bowie toured like crazy off and never let me down. Of course he did. Tour he was trying to come back. The glass, the glass spider oh, tour, Jake. The good old glass spider and tour. Fans of our 2007 episode have already heard all about <laughs> the glass spider tour. Hey, we'll get you. We'll get you the uh, the background on this too, because that one we just rated the, the 2007 a live album came out um, from the glass spider tour, right? 
I had only rated that at the time. I didn't watch any of the footage of it. I was oh, just trying to like, keep myself pure. That's amazing. You know, Jake? You know what I'm saying? I've seen so I watched more than a bunch of footage of it for this episode. Yeah. And the thing about the show is it's a gigantic, crazy, ridiculous spectacle. And it was intended to be. There's like all kinds of crazy stuff. They're, they're uh, performing underneath this gigantic spider, like draped in lights and stuff. Like it's huge, like four story tall spider, something like that. It's a glass spider. And they're all underneath it. There's like 10 people on stage doing weird avant-garde things most of the time. This includes the band. <laughs> uh-huh. It's performing in strange outfits. They got all these routines. Um, half to two-thirds of the songs have like dance routines and like theatrical parts to it. There's uh, In the second or third song, there's this big part where he pulls up. He, it looks like he's pulling up just a random uh, audience member up on stage. Yeah. And it turns out she just planted. Of course. And they do this big choreographed dance that <laughs> slapped and stuff. And she, they change her costume on stage. It's, it's kind of impressive. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, when you look at the ratings or like the uh, reviews on this thing, the uh, what they point out is, yeah, this is impressive and ambitious, and it's influential. Like we got to admit that this this tour is influential. Yeah, okay. Some of the stuff Bowie was doing, it just wasn't it wasn't a thing. But you look at a lot of the major pop acts of now, and they're all these really like choreographed theatrical numbers in different ways than what he was doing. But that wasn't as much of a thing. Like that was kind of a thing that started in the eighties, and to the degree that he did this was pretty incredible all right but the thing is jake if you you know bowie's coming to town yeah you know and now i want you to picture yourself imagine that you are a uh, bowie fan in 1987 I'm, I'm there i'm right there okay i'm six and you're years old like you know okay you know the, the next the, the newest album isn't your favorite but you're you're a fan and you it didn't turn you off enough he's coming to town okay you're gonna see him i'm ready now you're offering your current uh income level uh-huh. So how close to this, this stuff do you think you're going to get when he's in the stadium? How close to the stage? To the stage. Oh, how... At your current income level, do you expect you're going to be going to be? Oh gosh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I'd probably now, be like I'd be on on the floor, maybe you know, thirty. If I'm a huge fan, maybe thirty, forty euros back. Okay. Okay. Now at this point, I mean, maybe that's being optimistic, even. But yeah, probably. You're, you're at this point. You're appreciating the fact that Bowie wore an entirely red suit because you can tell which one of the little dots up the front <laughs> is him. Yeah, but like you can't. There's not giant TV screens or anything. There's not. So this is one of the biggest complaints: is he's performing oh. in stadiums with a with a tour that really should have been for like a small intimate theater. We can actually see what's going on. I see what you're saying. And you can't see what's going on at all. So that was one of the biggest criticisms: is people have no clue what's going on. Nice okay. Bowie. Well, wait. <laughs> wait the Bowie. other big criticism is the music sucks. Yep. <clears throat> Which is uh, not. That's true. Not that's a true. Cri- that's yeah. a true yeah. critique. Yeah. He drew heavily from Never Let Me Down. He played nine out of the original eleven tracks that Never Let Me Down are wow. in just the live album. I didn't look and see if they like if other ones made it in, but that's nine out of eleven tracks. Yeah, pushing oh. it. Pushing it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that dot sucks. That dot sucks. That dot sucks. That's just the worst. So there's that. Okay. But it was an interesting idea, and a lot of stuff they're going on. He just intended to be like a big, giant, three-ring circus with all this stuff going on and all different angles and different things going on. And, and you got to like, again, he has ambitious. He had ideas, which is a step up. He just failed. Uh, so I, worse. I got a question for you. So you said that yeah. you, you watched 
you watched some of the, the, the live performances from the from the Glass Spider tour. I did. I, I watched... I, I, there's a live video that came out in 1988. Uh-huh. I watched half of it now with the intention to watch the other half when we do 1988. Okay, sounds great. You know? Is that fair? <laughs> hey, that's... That's to be fair. That's extremely, like that's extremely fair to 1988. That's Nin- what you know? I'm 1988 thanks you, and... This uh, is definitely going out in 88. I gotta be ready. I got something to talk about in 88. So, A, did you see Charlie Sexton, our mutual friend? Ripping it up. I did see it, not not in the official video, but I saw him in different clips because he showed up in YouTube and I was looking through some stuff and I went, well, dang, I gotta watch this. How tasty were those licks, do you think? I mean, with our, let's, I mean, we always need another rating, right? Another, another taste, rating system that does not like mesh rating, well yeah. with the rest of them. This like, makes a, sense. like a how delicious are the licks tasty How delicious rating. with zero being like disgusting food you yeah, spit out like of your mouth. Yeah, like hot garbage. And 25 big Nick <laughs> Yeah, 25 It's going to have a 25-point scale. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That <laughs> makes sense. It's different than all the other scales. I don't want it to make sense with any of the rest. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, we're going to go with, I'm going to say, maybe like an 18-19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what tasty. I think, too. I mean, just the, the, the calm on his face. like, And he was like a teenager or something. He was a teenager? He was like a prodigy. So he just, uh, you know... For his age, I say he ripped it up pretty good. Oh yeah, he ripped it up real nice. Okay, and then real, my s- real, 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 real nice. Real nice. And then my second question is, yeah, what about the bassist's hair? Did you see the bassist's hair? Like his whole getup? Oh yeah, the, the super with, like, spiky one. The knots. There were like spikes and knots and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I don't know what. He, I don't know how he did that. All right, that's all I know. I thought that okay. was okay. The had other, to ask. the other thing we need to talk about is, is of course, Peter Frampton. Well, good old P.F. Because Peter Frampton. Washed up by this point. Yeah. Was uh, a huge presence on the album Never Let Me Down, and he toured on Glass Spider. Yeah, he did. He was, just, he was just he there. Was kind of, he was just <laughs> there. Well, that's the thing. It's just kind of funny. Like, like Bowie gave him a lot more leeway than anybody else. Everyone else is in these strange avant-garde costumes, uh-huh. clearly doing what Bowie wants him to do. And Peter Fram is out there in, like, a sleeveless t-shirt <laughs> yeah. with the sleeves cut off, you know, with his big poofy perm. Just yep. like kind of goofily ripping it up on his guitar. He had he had fully he had basically come alive for the tour. That's what I want to say. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, he's come he's he came alive before Jake. Yeah, I, I don't know he came alive. To, he came alive twice time before. He came alive. he came alive a couple times. <laughs> a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like it doesn't look like he entirely belongs. It looks like Bowie's yeah. like, well, you know, P P F. We, we were friends. Peef. We've been friends since we were kids, which is true. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to worry about you. Let's build the whole show. You just kind of stand around and do what you want to do. And he has this kind of sideman presence, this goofy, like... Yeah. Because he shows up in some interviews and some clips and stuff with Bowie, too. And there's this one uh, from MTV. I think it's just called, like, Walking Around Madrid Looking for Beer with David Bowie and yeah. Peter Frampton. Which is all they do. It's like 15 minutes of them. It's on the nose. It's very Madrid on the nose. Looking for beer. And they finally get some at the end. I want you to know. Spoiler alert. Spoiler great, alert. Great. Was it? I wonder if it was good. I'm sure it was. I Well, they just take a couple, they take a sip or something. I mean, I don't get to find out how good it is. But oh. Bowie's getting, like, Fantastic occasionally romantic. mobbed by fans and doing all these autographs. And, eh, like, two people notice who Peter Frampton is well, what's, at the time. What's funny is he had, he has one of the best-selling live albums ever in history. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that was, like, like, top five or something. That was, like, ten years before the Glass Spider Tour, right? Oh yeah, I was that the I late? That was like the mid. I want to say seventy five. Yeah, mid to late seventies. 
And so he had, he had kind of, like, lost that sheen of fame by then. Yeah, but that's not very long to go from the best-selling artist of all time to yeah. barely being recognized on the street, you know. No, well, I mean, he's in Madrid. I don't know if he was that big in Madrid. Who knows? Chaz, Peter Frampton was huge in Madrid. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I just got back from Madrid, dude. And Everybody knows that. I was looking for a beer, and he was, he was huge. <laughs> all anyone to talk about was Peter Frampton. Man. Huge posters of Peter Frampton everywhere. Peter Frampton. Peeps, they call so him. So he just, and he just comes across kind of like goofy and sheepish, just like, he's just, just kind of hangdog look at his face most of the time. Sure. So. But, he, you know, he's, know, he's stacking that paper. He's with David Bowie. You know, just he's doing it. making hay. Just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> making Mad Bank, probably. Just, you probably just get paid well for that, stacking, too. Stacking, stacking cash. All right, Jake, I got next up here. I got a, a multiple choice question for you. Ooh, okay, time. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. It's time for one. So, okay. In Bowie, you know, as much as he sold out his music, he didn't sell out in a commercial sense that often. He only did oh, maybe okay. I want to say like five commercials in his life. Okay, like five ads. And and by and by and, that you mean lend his music to them or be in them? I mean, be in them. Okay, you know, okay. sometimes I don't think they have a lot of say sometimes over whether their music gets. No, that's in certain true. Places. You're right about it that. It just kind of happens. You're right about that. But uh, no, actually, go and do a commercial. But he did one in 1987. Now, right. to his credit, it was to make the Glass Spider tour happen. It was such a big, elaborate, crazy show, and his artistic vision was like so gigantic. Yeah. The only way he could afford to do it was by getting a major corporate sponsor. Okay, fair enough. So I want to like say that to his credit, you know. So you're and, David Bowie. Yep. It's I'm 1987. Yep. And you're mm. in a Pepsi ad. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A Pepsi commercial. Okay. Pepsi, big in '87. Now, Got it. In storyline for this one minute ad and it's a full minute so you can get a story in there oh yeah you cram you are a mad scientist in your lab okay i'm david boy and i'm a mad scientist you got you wearing glasses and everything yep and your hair is like kind of slicked down in a nerdy way do i look like do i look like doc from back to the future or a different kind of mad scientist no 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 more of the like revenge of the nerds type oh okay got it yeah that that type of like and so you're in this crazy lab with, like, tubes and beakers all over the place. Sure, they're bubbling. Stuff, yeah. And just things going all over. I mean, it's more of, like, elect, like with electrical stuff and circuits and things. Like oh. that type of mad scientist lab and the okay. bubbling <laughs> cauldron stuff. Yeah, got and it. And you were busily working on something important, obviously, to you. Am I making Pepsi? Well, this is the question here, Jake. Okay. Uh, partway down, the halfway through... The commercial, you create what you're working on. And I want you to guess, so, so what does, what comes out of your machine? What comes out of... Is it A, All right. a sweet guitar. Okay. B, a rad suit. A rad suit. C, uh-huh. a cool, refreshing can of Pepsi Cola. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or D, <laughs> Tina Turner. All right. It's all of the above. It's not all of the above. What is not? Okay, never mind. Hold on. Let me guess. No, it's only one. It's only one of them. Not a trick question. Tina Turner, a cool, refreshing can of Pepsi, a sweet guitar, or a rad suit. Uh, Tina Turner. She comes out. You are correct. Yes. You're absolutely correct, Jake. Yes, (laughs) yes. What I left out of this, on purpose, of course, was that he's feeding in, like, images of, you know, like, women's legs and stuff. Oh, no. Good-looking faces and all this kind of stuff. And, and then, obviously, creating, you know, I don't know if it's, what's that movie where those teenagers do that? Weird, si- weird science. Weird science. Weird science. It's that kind of vibe. But then at the last second, he accidentally knocks over 
his bottle, his cool, refreshing bottle of Pepsi Cola. Oh, bummer, man. Into the machine. Oh, bummer. Causing an explosion that blows off all of his nerd clothes, revealing cool 1987 David <laughs> Bowie clothes underneath. And blows his glasses off his face and takes out whatever stuff is in his hair so that's the big, swoopy, awful haircut that he had oh, in 1987. No. And who should come out of the machine but Tina Turner? No. But it gets better, Jake. Oh, it's not even done yet? This is a long minute. No, it's minute. not done yet. Long and the minute. two of them dan- they, they dance together while your favorite David Bowie song plays in the background. Yeah, which which is what, which Modern is Love? Modern Love. <laughs> really? But, Jake, it gets better. Oh, no. We're not done yet. Because David Bowie and Tina Turner re-recorded the vocals to Modern Love. What? To make them into a jingle for Pepsi. They did not. They did. This is incredible. Now I know the choice is mine. Modern Love. <laughs> It happened, Jake. It happened. Oh, no. Uh, you, got, you got some homework for after the show is done. That's I gotta go watch one, that. One minute of glory. This one, this sweet, this sounds like a Fellini movie. This sounds amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Magnifique. <laughs> oh. All right, one last point here, Jake. I want to point out that in 1987, Tina Turner was almost 50 years old. Yeah. Go her. Like, doesn't, how often do you get, like, doesn't look that 50 figure of a sex symbol in her late 40s? Go to your Turner. Well, I mean, I guess there exists the possibility. She probably still has. I haven't seen any recent pictures of her. She's probably still looking great. I guess. I guess. Go ahead and say that. I guess there exists the possibility that that was a documentary and not a fictional account. (laughs) That nerdy, nerdy (laughs) David Bowie created Tina Turner, and she's a deathless sex symbol. And they just released it then. Yeah, yeah. Just we mentioned that before. How how instrumental Bowie was to uh, the resurgence of Tina Turner's career in, 19- right. in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, we did talk because she that. was just you know the mid seventies, and her and Ike More broke bonds. up for More very good reasons because he was an awful person. Yes, he was. Uh, and then she just kind of disappeared for a while, and then she came back in the early eighties, and Bowie insisted on her getting a record label, a record deal. Well, he wanted to protect his, you know, his invention. He wanted to, you know... Exactly! This all makes more sense now, Jake. <laughs> now you're talking. This is this is actually documentary footage from 1983. <laughs> exactly. That was just on Earth in 1987. Yeah, and Modern Love. I mean, the by, whole thing... the Pepsi company. The whole thing checks out. It all, checks, it all makes sense now. <laughs> Absolutely. There we go. We just solved, we just solved <laughs> a mystery right, well, no one even thought about. Cross yet. that one off your list for conspiracy theories. Woo, I feel... I feel better. Invented and proven, all within a two-minute segment. On a Definitely. Definitely. All right, let's keep rolling here, Jake. Yep. That was my, my choice segment. We had a couple more hot ones to get through. All right, a couple, couple more uh, hotties. But we did, I usually try to like watch all of the stuff I can for a year, yeah. or as much as possible. Sure. But we was at least... 30,000 different TV shows doing yeah. interviews, as far as I can tell. Oh, yeah. So many interviews. That gets so exhausting. Many. It was too many. Too Jake, many. I didn't too watch many. them all. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, one of the most notable ones I came across, like he does, I would say, but he consistently comes across as relaxed, confident, and comfortable. Sure. I wrote that down. <laughs> Great. I, I thought that was good. Very nice. Uh, I did see one that was interesting. They got some interview footage with some younger people, like other people in his life, including uh, some footage of his ex-wife, Whoa. Uh, Angela Bowie, who they had a very contentious, awful divorce. Yeah. And she, she seemed pretty nice in, in that, though, actually. They also got interview footage with Tony Visconti, oh, Bowie's yeah. major producer from the 70s. Yeah, you always And you the owe producer us a on a lot of his best albums. And they did not work together in the 80s. 
or the 90s, maybe at the very end of the 90s. And Bowie's not really happy with him, and I think this was one of the reasons why. Oh. Visconti, in his interview, kind of straight up says, Bowie sold out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he says it straight up in those words. Like, he was not he was not a fan of the last three albums. Yeah. Well, who was? Bowie Bowie's? just sold out. And then we go back to Bowie, who has obviously just been informed of whatever footage they just showed. Yeah. And it gets super defensive of what he's doing. Oh, my. It was uncomfortable. It was Ooh. uncomfortable. I don't remember where I found that, but it was uncomfortable, Jay. I'm saying it. I'm uncomfortable hearing you talk about how uncomfortable I know. It well, speaking of uncomfortable, yep. uh, I'm going to play in one more thing here, and this is one I don't want to talk a ton about. Okay. We, uh, we, we don't dive into our guys' private lives much. It's really more about their their work. Yeah. But this seems like one that needs a mention. Okay. And I don't know much about it. There's not much to know, but it felt like it was it was worthy of mention. All right. Because Bowie has a, uh, an unfortunate Me Too moment in 1987. Mm-hmm. There's a woman named Wanda Nichols who... Uh, accused Bowie of sexually assaulting her in a hotel room. Um, he supposedly bit her and told her he had AIDS, or she had AIDS now, which is really kind of odd. But we had to take an AIDS test, or like had to be tested for AIDS, oh. which did, and he did not have AIDS. Okay. Um, he was never officially charged criminally. It went the grand jury. A grand jury decided there was not enough evidence to charge him. So. We, this is one of those situations that we may never know what happened. Like, we'll never know one way or the other what went on. I don't know. Um, this is all, this is the facts that I could find of it. But it felt like it, it uh, deserved a short mention here in 1987. Yeah. yet another way in which the year was the worst. Yep. Nader or Raider. So, and good let's job. finish things up for Bowie with the year in here. Uh, this is probably a good one, I'm guessing. Oh, Jake. Just oh, a Jake. glorious, a it's glorious kind of year in here. How he. You know, like hair doesn't good hair doesn't always go along with good music with Bowie, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess. But this is his worst year, and it is worst. It's his worst hair. This is the worst it's one. His worst, oh, it's his worst hair ever. Bo- Bowie, you're gonna this, you're gonna slap. He a, starts out the year with kind of like a, a more like swoopy, like it's a little bit longer and it's kind of swooped up and kind of flipping down on the top. But by okay. as he goes on, it turns into a full blown righteous mullet. <laughs> And we're not talking about like a Ziggy Stardust mullet, which is also fairly bad, but not right. But kind of stylized, you know. But kind of stylized and very you know, meant to be like kind of goofy and different. This is like, it's like, I don't know. It's like I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's like a stereotype mullet. It's yeah. It's really it's, at some points it's like shaved on the sides. Yeah. Oh. It's flowing no. down below his collar and back. Ooh. And it's kind of, oh, it's just the worst, Jake. It's just, it's throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> so, Gross. on the ever-reliable urine hair scale. <laughs> yep, scale of negative 52 to positive Negative eight. 29 and a half. <laughs> it's a negative, it's a negative I know, infinity. I think I this one zero to five. This is a straight up zero. It's a straight up zero, Jake. It's just a zero. There's nothing redeeming this haircut. It's this over. It's nothing. over. It's over. It's over. There's no lower on his hair that I've seen yet. You know, it's possible I missed some like small segment somewhere in there. I don't think yeah, so. But in terms of his, 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 his public persona, you know, this is Yeah. Okay. Wow. I feel Yeah. So you're going you're going you're you're willing to put a BVD award down on this worst hair ever. BVD award for worst hair. Worst hair. 87. Somewhere baby. In, somewhere in the middle of the tour. Number one with middle a mullet. Number one, number not one slash number 54, however many years there are. Number one with a mullet, David Bowie's hair. With a mullet, David Bowie. Boom. And with that, Jake, I gladly hand Woo. the 
dirty, mucky, disgusting rains to you <laughs> for 1987. Well, you know that sounded that sounded bad, Chaz. That sounded bad. It was bad. It was bad. Uh, I don't know about disgusting though. I'm not really sure about uh, disgusting. That's because it's because we can't play any clips of the music. That's true. We can't. But particularly, particularly him playing the music live with like weird, poorly acted avant-garde routines in between. Yeah, yeah. Which you already you already did. Because you, you made the wrong stuff, Jake. <laughs> wrong stuff. Wrong stuff. <laughs> wrong stuff. Can yeah, I just t- can I just tell you that I had uh, a, f- a friend. Uh, who listens to the podcast, and he he kind of jumps around because he came to it a little bit late. He said okay. that his his favorite episode is when you were reproducing all of the the, <laughs> the bad community theater oh, of yeah. the Glass Fighter tour. I just want you to know that, so you can feel good like Bowie did in eighty seven. I do feel good about that. Don't you feel good? Thank you. Thank you for that knowledge. All right, so Bob Dylan in nineteen eighty seven. He did not do as much stuff as David Bowie did. <laughs> Year. Yeah, we he did a lot of bad stuff. Well, yes. that's, Dylan might be have just as bad of a year as Bowie, but he didn't do as much stuff. He didn't so do as Bowie's much stuff. Bowie's going to sweep this for badness, because Bowie did so much stuff and it was almost entirely awful. I'll tell you what Bob Dylan did in 1987. He right. he toured, and he did this in two separate well, this isn't even iterations. The start of the, is this the start of the, the Never Ending Tour? No, this is not. until 88 or 89. It, it, is, it was 88. And this may okay. have this may have finally convinced him to wise up and just head out on the road by Stop himself. Even quit. attempting to have a private life at home. I guess so. I don't. You know, I don't know because this is probably his worst touring year. <laughs> but then he decided to never stop. Especially starting the ending the next year. tour years. So uh, we talked in 1989 about a little live album called Dylan and the Dead. Ah, <laughs> uh, our Please favorite. Say what you're, I think you're about to start saying our favorite live album by either of our guys. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> listening to it. I don't hear a lot of shouting and yowling from Bob Dylan behind you. <laughs> it's headphones, headphones, Jake. It's oh, headphones, 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 headphones. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You're right, right, right. Uh, he went on on tour with the Grateful Dead in 1987, and no one knows why. <laughs> Not even Bob Dylan, <laughs> including. And not Bob even the Dylan Grateful Dead. Including the Grateful Dead. No, it's true. So, uh, including the Grateful Dead fans, and this this is something I didn't really realize about this. Um, the pairing is strange. It turns out it is the Bob Dylan and Grateful Dead. Even though they both came from roughly the same time period, mm-hmm. even though they're you know they're both extremely famous, they're both have devoted fans, and maybe that's the problem. The the Dead fans were not actually that into Dylan, even though. Yeah, the Dead always played Bob Dylan songs. Okay. So uh, what Mickey Hart said, a member of the Grateful Dead, he said, "We were trying to back up a singer on songs that no one knew. It was not our finest hour, nor his. I don't know why it was even made into a record." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's the guy. One of the guys who made it. Exactly. Why he asked himself and everyone else. Uh, so they, they kind of rehearsed like 50 songs together, but these were, this was a Bob Dylan special barely rehearsing thing where he would, okay. they just like run through them once or twice and no one knew <laughs> what he was going to do the next night or how he was going to do it. Hey, hey, let's get out there. Hey, let's go do it. Let's go there, Uh, they, none of them were good and none of them were correct and none were very good versions. 
is what happened. And nobody cared. Yep. So the Deadhead fans, the Deadheads, uh, applauded songs like Rainy Day Women and Knocking on Heaven's Doors, the big hits. Uh, but they were not interested or could not be bothered to even notice that there were some first-ever concert performances of some classic Bob Dylan songs, including Ooh. Queen Jane Approximately from Highway 61 Revisited, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, which I would love to see that live. That's one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. And yeah. The Wicked Messenger, both uh, which were on John Wesley Harding from 1967, his uh, acoustic album. You'll be interested to know that the Bob Dylan historian and uh, biographer, whose biography I'm reading, Clinton Halen, he calls this in his book the, quote, absolute nadir of his career as a performing oh! artist. This is it for it Clinton might Halen. nadir for a number of points. We're, <laughs> we're suggesting, we're, we're predicting that a different year will be Dylan's right. first year for points. But in terms of his personal this life... This could still be his personal nadir. Yes, and in terms of like... what 1987. What he was feeling creatively... Creatively... Yeah. Crea- creatively, thank you. Whoa. Creatively. Uh, I almost died. <laughs> I almost had a I like stroke. that word. Thank you, creatively. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the I said. Creative... Uh, uh, he had major writer's block. He actually didn't release an album this year, which I guess I should look into it a little bit more. My my understanding is that he owed Columbia Records an album every single year, and that's why okay. we got that's why we got some of the absolute garbage that we got during the eighties. Oh yeah, um, but he didn't. Oh, yeah. He didn't release one this year. He did contribute to a soundtrack, which I can't wait to tell you about in just a few minutes here. <laughs> Um, but, I can't wait to hear that. So he's not writing music. He's not recording music. He's like so disenfranchised with his own brand and with his own sense of musical self that he not only goes on tour with the Grateful Dead, he goes back out on tour with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers again. You'll remember he okay. did that in 1986. Um, this was a tour called oh, yeah. the Temple in Flames tour. Isn't Tom Petty part of the Traveling Wilburys? Yes. They form the okay. they form the following year, which you know. Okay. Spoiler alert makes nineteen eighty eight not Dylan's worst year because he's in the, hey. he's in the Traveling Wilburys, which is completely <laughs> redeeming. They're awesome. Uh, so the uh, the tour there was a European and Middle Eastern tour. He did two concerts in Israel. Those are his first ever concerts in Israel. Bob Whoa. Dylan, Go born Bob. born a Jew. I was going to say that where where was he at with the Jewish Christian? Well, feelings at this point. I mean, he's still, you know, he, he, he claimed he's an ethnic Jew. He claims that he has been Christian since his conversion. Okay. Um, but okay. you know, it's just sort of like, um, he's just not so righteous about it, I guess. Okay. All right. Uh, he's, All right. He's less direct about it. Um, however, every time that he did anything at all involving Israel or, um, you know, like he wore a yarmulke on one of his al- back album covers, Okay. Uh, he, he would make pil- not I don't know if I would call them pilgrimages, but he would visit you know Mecca and he would vi- visit uh, Israel from time to time. And every time somebody so the- would snap a picture of him and say, Dylan's, uh-huh. Dylan's back, baby. He's a Jew again. <laughs> so uh, the moral of the story is something we already knew. Dylan is a complicated man. <laughs> he's complicated and he's enigmatic, so there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, all, this, leg of the tu- this leg of the tour was uh, much better. It had good pacing. It was Quote, mercifully short. Is that the kind of phrase you want to get? <laughs> I'm not sure, except that I guess, you know, the noodling the noodling with the dead grated oh, on okay. everyone. No, just comparison, just I, so much noodling. I had read that 
that concert was real, well received. Um, but or that you know the Dylan and the Dead thing. But reading it again in biographies and stuff, it seemed like a it seemed like a tra- strange bad choice at the time. So, Maybe at the time. I think they sold it's a lot. It's one of those things that sometimes people think it's a good idea at the time, and later on they yeah. go, oh, no, wait, this, what? I guess this was just bad. And they sold a lot of tickets. That was probably the successful part of it. Um, Dylan, now I don't know the this, this story, or if there is a story, uh, but he may have offended everyone in Israel, from the audience members <laughs> to the dignitaries of Israel. Uh-huh. Uh, but no one's really sure. I guess he, he kind of blew into town and blew back out, and um, some of the dignitaries there claimed that he had... Uh, he had uh, agreed to go to some dinners and to some functions and to shake hands and do all that stuff. He said that he hadn't agreed to do any of that, and in effect, he didn't do any of that because that's not something he does. Uh, uh-huh. But they kind of trashed him on the way out. Um, I guess some audience, <laughs> some audience members came and booed Tom Petty for some reason. Like they, yeah, hey Tom Petty. I don't know. I don't know why. The whole thing seems really You're weird. That friend of Judas <laughs> didn't get mentioned in the Bible, aren't you? You're too Thomas! Judas Jr. Thomas! <laughs> Alright, so that, my friend, is his tour. He did one other thing, and it's quite a thing. I want to introduce I'm, you to it. I'm waiting. You've I, been you've been hinting <laughs> at, you've been just like building up to this in our private conversations. Uh, building up to this podcast. I, like you asked, did not look it up, did not thank spoil you. it for myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Dylan has a patchy and complicated history with the movies. Uh, okay. He was he was in a few of them beforehand. Obviously, we've talked about Ronaldo and Clara. We're going to talk in 1973 about his role in um, Billy the Kid, uh, okay. which he was in that movie. Did the soundtrack for that movie. But come 1986 and 1987, Chaz, he, he got that acting bug again. And he agreed, oh, he agreed to be, oh, oh baby, he agreed to be in a movie, a really, 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 really poorly received movie called Hearts of Fire. <laughs> Hearts of Fire. Let's Hearts rename the podcast of Hearts of Fire, fire Jay. <laughs> My heart is on fire for right Hearts now, of Fire. This will be a part of the 25th anniversary celebration, just changing the name of our Let's podcast. Let's do it right now. Our listeners. We're going to have to get our wives. Two hearts of fire. We're going to have to get our wives to make us different mugs. Bowie versus Dylan is out, baby. It's out. Hearts of fire. Hearts of fire is in. Um, now, this is not to be confused. When I when I heard the uh, the the title, I immediately mm-hmm. thought of a movie you may have heard of called Rocky Four. Rocky uh, Four. Everything reminds you of Rocky Four, Jay. <laughs> as far as I can tell. Uh, <laughs> what year did that come out? That was going to be right around here. It was nineteen eighty. It was nineteen eighty-five. Okay, all right. But all right. on the on the soundtrack was a giant hit uh, called "Hearts on Fire" <laughs> by John Cafferty. Now, when I heard this title of the movie "Hearts of Fire," this immediately right. started playing in my head. Hearts on fire, strong desire. Hearts on fire. Does Hearts on Fire soundtrack a montage or a homoerotic scene between Rocky and Apollo? <sighs> Great question. The answer is both, my friend. <laughs> Even Rocky IV when Apollo dies, like Hearts Actually, uh, Rocky Three is the the huge homoerotic scene where they they splash okay. they splash around in the surf in short shorts. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, um, the no. Of all the audience members, Rocky everywhere. Rocky watches Apollo get killed by Ivan Drago right. in Rocky Four, and I guess his heart 
starts on fire. <laughs> right at that moment. Hearts on fire, strong desire. Oh, right. Living decades with a heart that is on fire. Uh, Still burning. Bob Dylan. <laughs> Bob Dylan. I can't Still burning wait. for Adrian and for Apollo. I can't wait for Rocky. And Nikki and all the other characters who dramatically died throughout the franchise. Mickey died in Rocky 3. While Rocky was being beaten half to death by Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T. <laughs> Ball comes back Adrian to Rocky. died off camera between Rocky's 5 and 6, right? That's correct. Wow, good job, <laughs> Chaz. Good one. You have been listening to me all these years. I'm a jig is a gigantic Rocky fan. <laughs> I am. Uh, I can't wait for Creed 8 to come out. It's going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait for the Creed movies to get bad. And oh, I know. It, shucking them out, just just pumping them out anyway. It's going to be the next one. I, I guarantee it. They can step down the next one, and then number yeah. four we really reach, like, well, they'll peak, go, right? They'll go if, over, if trends continue. They'll go over the, the top. Franchise. They'll go over the top on Creed 3 and really, really blow it out, but it'll just, it'll become unreal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking for, hey. Let's let's pencil that in. Anyway, we're talking about 1987. <laughs> Hearts of Rocky dramatically die in? <laughs> oh, that'll be the real question here, Jake. Boy, that's a great question, Chaz. Because I know he wants to keep being in them, and they're. Oh, no. I think that they're very reticent to boot him out of the franchise. Um, he tried <laughs> to. I think he's going to try to write and direct the next one. He only wrote okay. the last one. But he, okay. he was going to direct Creed 2, but they were like, eh, are you sure you want to do that? Is that a great idea? And so he relinquished, because he relinquished total control on Creed. He was, he was just right. in it, which is why it was which great. Is why it was, which is why it was good. Yeah. So he's going to try to take the whole thing back. You just watch. Oh, I hope so. Oh, oh. man, it's so great. It's going to be great. All right. All right, I'm sorry. Hearts, hearts on fire, back to hearts of fire. Yep. Which well, is also hilarious. Welcome, welcome to Rocky vs. Creed. I'm going to assume it has some thematic uh, <laughs> links to it. All right. I'm just going to assume. I'm just going to, I'm going to read um, the, I'm going to read the script that, that the, the guy said over the trailer. This is the movie trailer right here. Okay. All right. Okay. Got it. Um, you can, right. you can insert like while you're, while you're li- uh, listening to me do this, you can insert like some motorcycle chases. Okay, um, got it. I, uh, you know, piled on top of uh, images of like a younger rock star looking pensive and self-destructive, and then Bob Dylan playing a rock star who's an aging rock star, and he's looking pensive okay. and self-destructive as well. Okay. okay. Oh, and there's a just, there's, like, just like in real life. There's yep. a young ingenue. She's played by an actress, singer, songwriter, simply named Fiona. That's her name. Well, I, was hoping, I was hoping you were to end that with Tina Turner, but oh it's no, okay. no, we could only wish. We could only, we could only be so lucky. All right, so think of all these things at the same time while I'm reading this. All right, here it goes. Fifteen years ago, he walked away from the spotlight, the screaming fans, the willing women, and now he's back to help a young girl make it to the top, to teach a superstar how to stay there, and to discover for himself that the fire still burns. In the role that takes you beyond the legend, it's Bob Dylan in Hearts of Fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to watch that trailer. What afterwards. do you think of that? Well, while, you're watching it, while you're watching a Bowie and Tinker Pepsi commercial, I'll be watching the trailer to Hearts of Fire. Oh, you have to. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. Um, it was, consequently, oh, here, I'll just tell you who it was written and directed by, too. It was written by Joe Esterhaus, 
who's a Hungarian. Yeah. Heard, that, may, old, that old classic writer. Well, you may have heard of him, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little, it's time for a little multiple choice question. Okay. Joe Esterhaus was actually ended up being quite a famous writer, and um, he wrote some movies that I'm sure that you uh, will recognize. But here's the multiple choice. One of these movies he did not write. Okay, you're, it's your it's your job. Wait, I, I'm thinking the one he is not right. That's what you're doing. That's what you're okay, doing. Okay, all right, got it. Okay, Flashdance. Okay. B. Showgirls. Okay. C. RoboCop. Or okay. D. Basic Instinct. Man. I know. So three I'm of those. Those have that much to do with each other. No. All right, same again. Flashdance. Flashdance. Showgirls. Showgirls. RoboCop. RoboCop. And Basic Instinct. And Basic Instinct. Which is still controversial to this day, <laughs> I think. <laughs> For reasons that we won't get into. We do time. not need to say it. Um, I'm going to go with RoboCop. Oh, you're right. How'd you, you're good at this. He did well, not write RoboCop. Two of them have a whole bunch of nudity, so that kind of links Showgirls and Basic Instinct in my I mind. I thought Flashdance. I've never seen Flashdance, but I thought there was some. I thought there was a little soft stuff in there. Too, there probably right? is. Whatever. That's that's the one where <laughs> Flashdance is the one where. Uh, oh god! There's Angry Dancing in it, right? Yeah, that's Kevin Bacon With doing Kevin his, Bacon? his Angry Dance. I've never seen Flashdance. Oh man, it's, it's kind so of embarrassing good. to admit it, but I don't really want to. So I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't think that sounds a... like one to like turn into a drinking game or something. You should but, YouTube the scene where he angry dances. It's incredible. I, it's <laughs> I just think it played at the Concords now and their excellent send-up. I've seen that scene because it was so funny in Flight of the Concords That's right. I realized it, there you you know, go. where it was from. There you go. Yeah. He really works it out with himself and his dance moves. <laughs> um, so anyway, Joe Esterhaus was, you know, he was kind of on the on the, on the the up-and-come, you know, in terms of being... Yeah. Being, a writer of Flashdance. Now, I will say uh, that I don't know much about Joe Esterhaus, except that he did a lot of things that were trashy on purpose, I guess. Okay. Like, like Basic, Basic Instinct. Instinct. And Show- Showgirls. Showgirls was a famous flop uh, when we were in high school, or close to it anyway. Bowie uh, contributed an original song to that. I oh, you know. hey, a little connection. A little connection. That was remade for one of his albums. I can't remember which one. So I'm going to guess that that's part of what's going on with uh, with Hearts of Fire. Is it supposed to be kind of over the top and yeah. you know, highly glamorized and, and trashy sure. on purpose? But it just it doesn't work. It was directed by a fellow named Richard Mar- Richard Markand. Markand? Okay. Okay. I have a similar multiple choice question for you. Right, Which me, movie my, did he I'm, not direct? Yeah, I think the one he did not do. Okay, he didn't it. direct one of these movies. A. Jagged Edge. B. Never heard of it. Birth of the Beatles, a fictionalized biopic of the Beatles getting together. Okay. C, The Dead Zone. That's a Stephen King book. Or D, Return of the Jedi, the second movie in the Star Wars original trilogy. Episode 6. No, 5. No. Uh, Which one's... I don't, I don't know. I'm going to go to Return of the Jedi. Oh, you're wrong. He actually directed that movie. Oh, well, I know. Um, what do you know? He didn't direct The Dead Zone. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, a couple of those movies, so this is, this is a little harder. It's a little harder, Jake. Yep, I tricked you, that's why. Ha 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 Well, this uh, just seems like a kind of downward trajectory to his career. Yes. From Return of the Jedi to... And, um, and I'll tell you why Hearts right now. It was, it was even worse than that. This, this movie is known as The Film That Killed Richard Markand. <laughs> oh, he died later uh, that year. Or literally? literally, he died later that year. Oh. Wait, he died literally that year? <laughs> yeah, 
He did. Oh, man. I know. I was, I was hoping you just met metaphorically so I could make fun of him. But now I can't, Jake. No, you no, can't. I feel no. bad. Nope, sorry. Uh, Return of the Jedi was obviously the high point. Probably Hearts of Fire was the low point. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, it was the film that, that killed him, I've heard. From, <laughs> the film that I've killed heard, heard Richard Harkin. <laughs> All right, so um, the movie is about Billy Parker, played by Bob Dylan. A reclusive musician who takes a female protege, played by Fiona, and her hair, her huge hair, while on on tour, she meets a younger, more popular rocker, played by uh, Rupert Everett, and switches her loyalties. It also Ah. stars Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones. (laughs) So Ronnie Wood, I think I'm going to have to do... Uh, a Bob's Bula base. There's there's something there's a, there's a true friendship between Dylan and Wood, and they just end up on each other's projects and in each other's lives all the time. And it's never very good, but they're just kind of like they just kind of <laughs> hang around each other. And I don't know. Like I, I kind of want to know. Like weird connection because Bowie and Jagger definitely were total frenemies. Yeah, I mean, but through much of the seventies and into the well into the eighties, despite being in the same the band, I mean, the difference between Jagger and Ronnie Wood is is a mile of celebrity, you know, or a hundred right, miles right. of celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of curious, like, were they just pals? Were they, are they buddies? Just generally enjoy an actual, an actual as friendship. Men, as men do from time to time. Well, yeah, they're known to. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> All right. All right, Jake. What? What else you got for us? It's time for Critics Corner on Hearts of Fire. This is the last thing that Dylan did, so, you know, okay. when, I'm, when right. I'm done with all this, <laughs> we can just... We could just go. It's time for Critics Corner. Quote. All right. It's a nimble performance by the by the enigmatic Bob Dylan. And quote. Dylan hovers enigmatically in the sidelines, offering jaundiced comments. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the here's the true part. Everyone agrees that Bob Dylan is the best thing in this film. Hey, well, good for I you, know. Bob. Go, get, Bob. Give yourself I mean, a round of applause. I mean, might that be great praise when you're the best part of a terrible, terrible movie, but it, it's uh, praise still. It debuted in the United Kingdom, and it uh, was pulled from theaters within two weeks. <laughs> it was not released theatrically in the U.S. Um, it was okay. a, It was a straight-to-video in the United States. Oh, yeah. It was last released on anything on VHS, VHS in 1993. It's never been re-released it's on DVD. It's never even made it to DVD. Never. And wow. here's a per- personal anecdote. No, it's not. Uh, personal anecdote: the only place that you can see it in full is on iTunes. You can you can rent it for four dollars if you want to do that. Okay. Okay. Um, I had a little snafu where I rented it on my computer, but my Apple ID only extends to like my phone, basically. So I had to watch the parts that I watched on my phone. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. It was awesome. awesome. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Bob Dylan. All right. Hold on a second here. You're trying to get me out of the picture. I just want to just... I know you want to do all your... Down into some points. I know you do. I just want to do it. This is the last thing that he does. So just chill. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm so chill. He was supposed to... Bob Dylan was uh, contractually obligated in some way. And maybe this was supposed to replace his album. Um, He was supposed to contribute four original songs to the Hearts of Fire soundtrack. He Uh He only managed three, and one of them was a cover. That was uh, then. That was his single. It was called "The Usual." It's a John Hyatt song that he covered, um, with the B side of "Got My Mind Made Up" from "Knocked Out Loaded" from the previous year. 
which, come on, guys, <laughs> oh, what, yeah. are we, what are we this doing here? Gem. What are we doing? <laughs> Knocked Out Loaded was awful. Uh, his other <laughs> his other two songs was, uh, let's see, oh, called Night P-O-L, After... you mean. Night After Night and Had a Dream About You, Baby. That's the name of the song. <laughs> These are described... Had a Dream About You... And it's in the parentheses, and it set my heart on fire. No, it just says, had a dream about you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't feel like that should be one with, like, the parentheses continuing the title. Hearts of fire. I would like to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it set my heart on fire, baby. And it set my heart on fire. It baby tw- two times in the title. It sounds like a bad, it sounds like a bad pickup line, is what it sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah. But it's a Bob Dylan song. It, uh, <laughs> these were described as execrable efforts by Clinton Hayden. <laughs> And I listened to them, oh. and he is 100% correct. It was excellent. Execrable efforts. Execrable efforts. Sub, that should be the subtitle of our Nader Outrider <laughs> <Barely. episode. laughs> Execrable efforts. It's time for Execrable <laughs> Efforts with Charlie and Jake. <laughs> oh, I'm going to turn that That's good. I like, I like that a lot. Execrable efforts. Execrable efforts. Okay. All right, so... All right, well, speaking of execrable efforts... Oh, wait, I don't, I don't, I don't want to step on your toes Well, here. you've been trying Let's to step up. on my toes for the last five minutes. So I know, you but just, now I'm trying not to. Why don't you step all over them? You already did. They're crushed. Okay, are you done? I just want to give it a Nadero Raider, if you'll let me. <laughs> well, what if I won't? Clinton Halen says this is his zero. I say there's worse years ahead in terms of the work that he put out, even though this is all, very, right. this is all very bad. So... And his personal life was in shambles, you know, as it as it right. typically was. So and you know, I, was I, I think I'll give it like a one. It's down there. It's maybe the worst year so far that we've done. Okay, okay. on the Nader Raider, with the zero being the lowest. B- zero and being the who knows what the highest is. Uh, it's ten. Doesn't matter. It's ten. It's, <laughs> it's ten. ten? Oh, okay. <laughs> ten is blonde on blonde. That's what it is. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I wasn't sure if anything good like could even be could, can go on the Nader Raider scale. Or if the Nader Raider yeah. started with stuff that was bad in the first place. No. I mean, you can... So, you're, the Nader Raider covers every year. So, you if your best year is a 10 on the Nader Raider. Would by definition be a 10. Okay. Yeah. And your worst... I wasn't year. sure if, like, if, if it's just the scale started. You know, if you had something even remotely good, it wouldn't fit on the scale. Oh, no, no. It, start getting, like, oh, that's pretty bad. So, pretty bad would be, like, a 9 or 10. Like, a complete mediocre would be 5. A really okay, good year. Okay. A all really right, good right. year would be a nine or a ten. And it's good z- thing we don't talk about the scale very much because I didn't understand it at all. <laughs> I'm glad we haven't mentioned it every single Speaking episode. Speaking of scales that I do all understand, right. get us get us with some points. Let's get some points. Do it. So for our actual points for actual stuff, these are the ones we actually think about and actually work on. That's all the rest of them that we make up and change every single time we use them. That's right. In fact, we have uh, arguments about we it. We have off some here. points. The big thing to know about our points is that when stuff is really bad, like this year, our our guys can get negative points. Which and, just about to do. And they will. And let's begin. <laughs> and now we go. So now we go. So let's start right off with Never Let Me Down. In my opinion, Bowie's worst album. Okay. In everyone's opinion, Bowie, one, of, one of Bowie's worst albums. Yeah, if not the worst. If not the worst. And I would say it's the one most often said to be his worst. Okay. All right. Fair. In general. Fair. Uh, so in a scale from negative five to five, like I said, this one is aggressively bad. It's so in your face. I just have to get, get a quick mention to a little song called Too Dizzy. Too Dizzy. The song was originally came out, or this album originally came out with 11 tracks. Uh, it was released on CD, cassette, and vinyl. Ooh. The vinyl versions are notably, seven of the songs are edited down. Ooh, nice. Notably, uh, in the recent box set for Bowie this last year, 
all, all of them show up in the like odds and sods selection at the back. So Restored you get all the to their again full in glory. <laughs> it's really, really great. Anyway, a little track by the name of Too Dizzy, mm. but we only let it go the first time it showed up on uh, Never Let Me Down. For all subsequent repressings, re-releases, the, album, this, the song does not appear. Oh, he took it off. It's never officially re- It's never been officially digitally. It did not show up on the box set Really? What? It wasn't he even on the box set? Because he thought it was so bad. Whoa, that's crazy. So you can find it on YouTube because you can find like everything Bowie ever did on YouTube. But sure. It's bad, but it's 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 impressive that it was bad enough to get like kicked off of his worst album. You know, yeah. it doesn't feel like any worse than anything else he released on the oh, album. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Anyway, I just mentioned it. Maybe he was. Too uh, I do believe it to be his worst album. I'm giving it a negative two point five. Wait a minute, that's a, that's as low as he goes. Negative two point five. In my opinion, oh, negative two point five on ten point scale, it'd be like two and a half. Oh man, it's bad, we, Jake. We got yeah, but. I think I gave a Dylan album like a negative four. I'm, I'm sort of like, uh, or a negative three point five or something. I feel like you'd go. Oh. All right, all right, whatever. It's not completely like there are some things that are slightly okay about it. I mean, we talked about this too. I think Dylan goes goes lower than Bowie does. Yeah, but not that much lower. I don't know. You're the one listening to them and rating them, Jake. I know, but we're rating them on a different scale at this point. I feel like. You know that Bowie's going to lose in this, this year, right? Yes, Charlie. <laughs> I'm just not, not sure what you're trying to get out of this conversation right now. Uh, also, Bowie released five singles this year, Jake. Oh, good. So, if you're wondering about how much lower it can go, it's lower. <laughs> no, it's way lower. The first one was still left over from Labyrinth, which came out in 1986. Mm, good call. Good choice. It's uh, It didn't come out until very early, 1987. It's Magic Dance. One oh, of his most really? beloved songs Wonderful. for some reason. The song is bad. It's so bad. I'm sorry to anyone out there listening who has a heart, it's a soft spot, a nostalgic feel for Magic Dance. It's one of those songs that pops up as like one of his, you know, the songs people first mention when thinking of David Bowie. It's so bad. It's such a bad song, Jake. But it's magic. It makes my heart hurt. It's magic. It's so bad. It's magically bad. Magically delicious. It's magically disgusting. Magically disgusting. Uh, I give it a negative one. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Day In, Day Out. It was the lead single off of Never Let Me Down. It's also the first uh, song on the album. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's so bad. <laughs> it's just so bad, Jake. It just makes me sad. I'm sorry, man. It's in your face, and it's awful. Don't cry. I give it a negative one. Okay. <laughs> Next up is Time Will Crawl, the second single off of Never Let Me Down. Time Will Crawl does not make my heart hurt. Oh. That's a Time will crawl has some slight some slight sense of potential Redeeming in it. Redeeming value. Um, it should be noted really quick here is that in 2018 a new version of Never Let Me Down was released on the box that it came out. Right. Uh, a bunch of people from like now re-recorded a lot of the uh, instruments and like did new arrangements and new production. They kept Bowie's original vocals and they kept the song. I mean, they stole the songs. They didn't like rewrite the songs, but, uh, they got rid of a lot of the horrible eighties production, which definitely made the, the album worse. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Sure. The album is still not great, even with the new production, but it's better than it was. And some songs they do better on the others, especially the songs that have something decent underlying it. And time will crawl is the most notable example. And this one actually they had redone, uh, in 2008, I want to say in 2008 with Ed oh. Bowie's like idea. It was his insistence. He, his like, he put this together. 
And this was the idea it came from, was he, they did the, just that one song then, and Bowie said something in the liner notes like, uh, oh, to redo the entire album. And so that's what the, the impetus was to actually redo the rest of the album. It's, you know, it's kind of the tacit approval of Bowie. Sure. When he was still alive. Yeah. So Time Will Crawl in the new version would actually get, would actually earn, to me, a half a point. Okay. But the old version, because the production's so awful, yeah. I'm, giving it, I'm giving it a zero. There it is. Makes so sense. So Time Will Crawl is good enough for a zero. It's actually a decent song. Next up, Never Let Me Down, the song. Mm. Uh, the third single off of this album. This one also is not as bad as a lot of the album. It has some slight sense of potential. Okay. Um, the The... I think the new version, new production of this, would get a zero. Okay. The album version would get a negative point five. Okay. But they completely remixed the song and slathered it in a sweet dollop of saxophone. <laughs> okay. A sweet, just drowned it in, in saxophone. Uh-huh. And this remix that they released as the single is much worse than the oh. album version. And it gets, a neg- it gets a negative one. Wow. Yeah, it's dead. So it's not... And the- it's oh, not the version right. on the album. It's it's a remix. No, they didn't. It's a remix. Oh, the song it's on the album. Got, it, it's worse. The remix is much worse. Mm-hmm. It's not like a dance remix. You know, it's it's yeah, much it's closer just, to the original it's version. It's remixed. But the big version is there's just tons and tons of saxophone just slathered all over it. Okay, love it. That's bad. I can't wait to never and hear that. And finally, uh, the one cover on the album, which of course is a cover of an Iggy Pop song. Of course. Well, who, else would, who else would he cover in the 80s? Who knows? Uh, called Bang Bang. Yeah. This, uh, they did this, made this one a lot better. This is maybe the most improved song on the new version, 2018. But it's still really bad on the album. And they did it, released it as a live version, which is even worse. Okay. So that was also a negative one. Dang. I know. Ooh, this is bad. Finally, the Glass Spider Tour. As I said before, the stage work is very interesting, but there's too much going on. You can't really follow it, and you couldn't see it from wherever you were in the audience. Wherever. Um, the music is horrible, as yep. I mentioned, 2017. It's just, it's really bad. Yeah. But I got to give it some credit for how it did end up being rather influential. Okay. And people who could see it did enjoy the actual like show, the actual production, and the ambition and the integrity behind all that. Mm. So I'm only giving it a negative point five. <laughs> That high, is a total, of my friend, high of negative seven points <laughs> oh, in this geez. year. Make it far and away the worst year ever yeah, rated wow. by either one of our guys. Yeah, we'll see if Dylan can top negative seven. I don't. I don't think he did. Show. I don't think he did that much bad stuff. I mean, that's that's part of his. But we did so much stuff. And it's I mean, this all is bad. the you know this is like what infuriates me about other Bowie years, where he just releases like seven singles and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. When it turns sour, you know, it goes it goes <laughs> it, south. It, you know, it's a double edged sword, Jake. It, it goes south ways. fast. <laughs> okay. Nate is seven, Jake. All right, so Nader or Raider zero for Bowie this year. <laughs> Nader Raider, so Nader. Actual score negative seven. <laughs> Negative seven. All right, well, I'm going to go negative two, um, but clearly not that negative. Dylan did not release an album. He you know, right. he, he did three songs on the soundtrack, one of which was a single. Um, and that single is, oh, yeah, The Usual, the John Hyde cover. To me, right. I mean, I would not have known that Dylan didn't write it because it sounds like every other garbage Dylan song from the, from the 80s. It just, it just sucks. <laughs> it's just bad, you know? Just a lot of female backup vocal singers and... Him shouting things that don't make sense, and or maybe they do make too, they make too much sense. It's just so dumb. <laughs> too much sense. 
too much sense, Jake. It's too much sense. They're just dumb. Uh, anyway, that's a, that's a negative one. Okay. His tour, which um, his his historian and biographer uh, calls the absolute nadir of his career as a performing artist. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess the Tom Petty one went a little better, but just out of principle, we got to go negative one on the tour. Yep, yep, okay. The whole the whole thing the whole thing suffers from it being the worst thing he ever did. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, as an actor in Hearts of Fire, I guess he was good in it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But the movie was a was a you know a disaster. Disaster. So I guess his work. I want to say maybe his work garners like a zero. Yeah, that sounds fair. Doesn't that sound fair? I, I sounds fair. If it was the, a good movie, it would elevate him with it, you know. Yes, but but, but it just seems to sink him down. It does sink him down, and uh, and I don't know. Like I think people were were hesitant to call what he did acting as well, and maybe that's just kind of what he what he was. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how he was. But at least he was in the right context, I guess. So right. I guess I'll give it a zero, even though the, the yeah, mov- that seems fair. Yeah. The movie's kind of a famous disaster, but okay, which. Um, I think that's all that he did. So that 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 gives his year a negative two, two points. Okay, negative okay. two points. Not, not, I mean, <laughs> in other years that would be you know right. still one of the worst scores ever recorded. Yeah, exactly. Guys, but not it's this no year though. Seven. Not this year. <laughs> okay, and speaking uh, of which, we're going to have another ride on the Nadero Raider next uh, episode. We won't tell you what year that is. Next episode will be, well, so we're keeping the year a secret. you got to hold on to that a little bit. Quiet. It's a secret. It's quiet. It's but it will be what Jake believes to be Dylan's worst year. It's also a pretty bad year for Bowie, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, if, maybe, know, maybe Bowie will lose. He won't lose. be Dylan, I don't think. Yeah, I don't Boy know. Didn't do enough. I don't know. Otherwise known... Jake, I gotta, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, other, otherwise you. known as the Rocky Five of Bob Dylan years. <laughs> Just bad. Rocky Five is the worst one, yeah. It is the worst one. It is. Hey, I have one short anecdote to share before we go. Hit me. Uh, I was at Goodwill today. Because I needed some new slippers, and I didn't feel like spending a lot of money for slippers. So I was hoping I would just find some at Goodwill, because there's one very close to my house. That's a crazy, that's a crazy thought. When I'm there, <laughs> I, always, I always have to take a look through the t-shirts to see if I could find a, a sweet David Bowie t-shirt. Of course. It's usually in my mind. Of course. And so I was looking through, I did not find a sweet David Bowie oh, t-shirt. Man. But I did find a really awful Bob Dylan t-shirt. You did? I did. What was it? I thought about buying it for you and sending it to you, and then I thought, that's going to cost like... Fifteen dollars by the time all this has happened. I I'm guess not gonna so. Do that. Uh, uh, so instead, I just ripped it in two right in the store and then walked away. You just what? Oh, I'm just joking, but I didn't do that thing. I just said I, did. <laughs> I ripped it, ripped oh. it in two, and walked out of the store. <laughs> oh my god! I thought you said I, ripped, I ripped it off and walked out the door. I was like, wait, what? What is it? You're admitting to a crime? Oh, this is <laughs> no. this is crazy. No, I'm making up ridiculous things. Hence my confusion. Well, what was it? What 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 was it? What was it of? Dylan, I just said Bob Dylan on there in kind of like cursive writing, and oh. it was kind of him like silhouette type shot of him. I don't, oh. I could oh, not okay. tell the era. I have no clue what the era is. So it wasn't even like a vintage eighty five, eighty six tour or something like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it just sucked. No, if it had been if it had been exceptionally awful, yeah. I had to get it. If it had been really good, I went to get it. Right, it was just least, kind of mediocre. So at least wait for me to 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 PayPal you some cash to send it over. <laughs> Some sweet, sweet change. Some change. To get that, to get that out. Oh, gotta have Washington it. Washington State. Gotta have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
right, Jake. Yeah. Looking forward to crawling back in the muck with you Woo. in two weeks' time. Let's do for it. For our next episode. Let's do it. I'm ready right now. Hey, I just want to say before we go, Charlie's original intention was to record two podcasts, one with the worst of Bowie and one the worst of Dylan, and to just drop them on the unsuspecting public on the same day. I know, I know. It we weren't awesome, we weren't but... actually ready for that, but no, it no. almost happened. That would have been amazing. Life got life got in the way. Life, Jake. life gets in the way. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> My... <laughs> when it comes to hearts on fire. When it comes to hearts on fire. Alright, I'm Shirley, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Until next time. So long, and uh, don't listen to 1987 music until next week. Do not do it, but goodbye anyway. Don't do it. Alright, bye. I don't like Bob Dylan. I like David Bowie, people!